1: Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here, as always, with Chris Winningham. Now that you found us, make sure you subscribe to all of the other podcasts in our network, including Miami Heat Beat. That should be a little bit more festive here over the next couple of weeks. Also, check out our podcast Fantasy on Five on Fantasy Sports Out for the Count. Our new boxing pod, Chamber Pod on Fitness and Fish Tank, which is hosted by O.J. McDuffie and Seth Levitt with Dolphin Stories, so you can get nostalgic instead of having to focus on the current team. Today we're going to switch gears to Heat a little bit, and we're going to have to acknowledge that this team has played itself back in the playoff position. You know, As we're taping this, it's actually prior to the Heat playing in Orlando, so they come into this moment at 15 and 16. You may be listening to this podcast after it, but it comes after the Heat Mm -hmm. beat Two really good teams, two yep. teams that were perceived to be contenders at home, of course, in, uh, Houston and Milwaukee, but after they went 4-2 and two on a road trip, including wins against the Clippers in Memphis, who had been yep. two of the hotter teams in the league earlier this and, season. And, and you still
2: won at Anthony Davis's team, too. You won in New Orleans. You, you beat
1: New Orleans also. So, mm-hmm. you know, right now, you know, we were talking about how low could they get, so how high could they get in the lottery standings, and... Now it's, okay, are they moving up towards a sixth seed in the Eastern Conference? And there's a philosophical argument to be made there about what is better. We've made that argument on previous pods. I don't know that we're going to dwell on it here. I think what I want to dwell on is what is working for them right now, what has changed? Yeah. Now I know the easy answer, Chris. Is people are going to point to you know the, if you've ever seen The Incredibles, you know about Frozone. Uh, <laughs> now we have Spozone, <laughs> uh, the the head coach who hates the zone defense. Told me repeatedly he doesn't like zone defense. Almost never used it during the Big Three era. There might have been two or three games, and I remember them because I wrote about them because it was so unusual. And he just used it in spots. And he has gone to the zone defense. In selected instances against Milwaukee didn't use it until very late. He now started using it with Whiteside. He wasn't using it with Whiteside before he was using it with Bam. It's allowed him to get you know, Derek Jones Junior's, you know, athleticism into the game consistently yep. without having to rely on him being a one-on-one defender where he may get bullied a little bit because he's thin. And it's allowed him to use sort of interchangeable parts on the wings, whether it's a Winslow, a Magruder, uh, you know, weighed a little bit, but Richardson, James Johnson, and Derrick Jones Jr. So five different guys who can, who can, in the zone, can cover a lot of ground. I guess the first question I'll start with, Chris, is how sustainable
2: – Is that before we get into the rest of the team?
1: Like how? Now the teams have seen it. How much can he actually use it?
2: Yeah, I I wonder. And I was listening to a fascinating podcast that um, Tom Haberstroh did with Ethan Sherwood Strauss about his piece in the Athletic about advanced scouting in the NBA and how there are teams that – there are people whose sole function – they don't even know, like, the outcomes of the teams that they work for. Mm -hmm. Their job is to prepare scouting reports for three games from now. They sit courtside, they listen to coaches, they figure out plays, and and they're trying to figure out how to game plan for teams. But I do wonder if in the middle of an NBA season, when there are so many games and you don't really get to dig in on scouting reports – that's why I like the playoffs so much, because Mm -hmm. the playoffs are a real reflection of what – with preparation and with – Focusing on one opponent as opposed to a barrage of opponents, I think the playoffs reveal it's it's a gimmick. If we're saying if we're saying that the Dolphins, uh, you know, were really only able to score points on gimmicks uh, because of what they were doing with Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant what they're doing right now is a gimmick and if we're saying in an era of three point shooting <laughs> the solution to their issues is the zone like teams are going to shoot over it like and and you look at their so in their last 11 games uh, their net rating is a, is a plus 2 that's not great mm-hmm. uh, that if you if we're talking about an 8 and 3 run you'd expect more to be where Utah has been recently at a plus 8 or Indiana at a plus 8 or San Antonio at a plus 12 or Boston at a plus 13 so i, I think that in, so on the positive end, obviously they figured something out, and I think a lot of people criticize Eric Spolstra for being a bit obtuse in terms of wanting to make changes and not moving away from what is ultimately his plan. I almost wonder if his like the bedrock philosophy of their defense has kind of, I want to say, aged out of out of the league a little bit. But I, I do think that he gets a lot of credit for adjusting. They get a lot of credit for sort of returning to form. The starting lineup gets credit for not being such a calamity like it had been when they were uh, really poor. And I, I think they, I think they've turned things around in some areas. They're closing games better, which was a huge criticism when they were losing. And I think they figured some things out. But on the negative end, it hasn't really been that good. And ultimately, the panacea for them is something that I don't believe to be sustainable. So it, it's kind of that's kind of it on both ends. I think eventually teams will figure this out. Because because it might take 10 or 12 games for a league to figure out what would seem to be a pretty radical tactic in the era of the of, of three-point shot. And Milwaukee tried to, but they missed 34 threes out of, out of 43 against Miami when they lost and was second out of a back-to-back. So I'm not overreacting, but at the same time, I've been impressed that they've at least found a solution.
1: Well, I'm interested in it for a few reasons. Uh, one, they decided to do it against a Milwaukee team that I think was second in the league in threes. So yep. I, it's, and Houston. They did it against Houston and Milwaukee. Right. Okay. So it's not like they pick teams that are not known for shooting. The thing that's interesting to me about it is when Spolster decided to deploy it. Like At this point of the season, season Because that, to me, speaks to philosophy for this team. That speaks to the idea that they had no interest in tanking. Because if, if if you had, of course they don't. No, they don't. But we, I wondered for a little bit before that four and two West Coast swing. You know, the indications that I were getting that this was a little bit of a test for them. Because if it had really gone badly, like 1-5, then you start to move more in that direction. I mean, if they went 1-5 on that trip, like, they would have been in the area of New York, Atlanta, and Chicago. Right. But they weren't. And they didn't. And so what ends up happening is you go 4-2. and and then it's and you and the zone starts to work there a little bit and I, the way I view it is it's kind of like okay can we hold off a little bit longer and see how long this works and their whole culture is not to tank and so this this gives them a reason to experiment with it do I think that they would have preferred to wait until later in the season yeah until closer to the playoffs yes but like this is a season saving maneuver at this point and you see how long it lasts. I think what's interesting about it, and again, they're not using it for long, long stretches, but I think what's interesting about it is the way it changes the dynamic for certain players on their team. Mm -hmm. They have some players on their team that are hard to hide defensively. They've got kind of some very good defenders, and then they've got some guys who are hard to hide. Dwayne is a guy at this stage who is kind of hard to hide. Dragic being out actually helps them in some ways defensively because
2: they don't have to hide it reduces their size issues right Right. because if you're playing Tyler and Tyler and and Wade and Dragic right then you have too many guys and then you're moving we talk all the time about Josh Richardson not really being a three but a two Mm -hmm. then you're kind of having him defend you're you get progressively small even in a league that is small Mm -hmm. you still have to kind of be like for like in defensive areas otherwise you're going to get beaten for
1: size right so not having Dragic in there I think has allowed them to do this a little bit, but. What it does is it makes Derek Jones Jr. more valuable to you. Yeah. It makes Bam more valuable to you. What was compelling about the end of the Milwaukee game was that Whiteside, I thought, played some of his most passionate mo- minutes yeah. that I've seen in a long time. I was wondering with about two minutes left if Spoelstra was going to go back to Bam or to Olenek at that stage. He didn't. He stayed with Hassan, and Hassan played big. Now, I'm not – this is like the Tannehill discussion, okay? I'm not going to get duped into thinking that's going to be a (laughs) nightly thing. Right. All right? But I think if you can play zone with Hassan, Mm -hmm. the idea of having a shot blocker of that quality at the back end of his own defense – is attractive. That is interesting. And so I think it does, in addition to Bam's athleticism and ability to cover space being effective in the zone, that Hassan being able to sort of be the back line of defense is attractive in a zone. And I do think Tyler, who I think has played well actually recently, and we, we get so focused on the contract, right. but I think he has played well, that you can play him a little bit more if you're hiding him in a zone. So it does give you a little bit more flexibility. I, I think... You know, what we've seen over the past couple weeks, too, is Wayne Ellington's out of the rotation. Um, I think Magruder's minutes are going to start to come down. I think the more, because uh, I like Rodney, but we know what Rodney is. Sure. At, with Derrick Jones Jr., you don't really know yet. There's more mm-hmm. upside. And I remember having a conversation with Nikias Duncan from Miami Heat before the season. We did a pod on this about who do you think will get more playing time this season. He says, well, I th- he, his basic thing, I don't want to take him out of context, but was basically, I, I think Derrick Jones Jr. Should, but I think Rodney Magruder will Mm -hmm. because of the way that the Heat always trend towards the guy. Uh, who is the known quantity in those cases instead of you know the, the hustler instead of the one that they don't mm-hmm. know so much. But I think that's changing now. I think that Derek Jones Jr. has proven he'll do the hustle things that they want him to do, mm-hmm. and if he's not going to get bullied in one-on-one situations, you can play him in zone, yeah. you can keep him out there such longer and have his athlete. offensive rebound.
2: He's such a ridiculous <laughs> athlete too. Uh, the, the one thing for me, though, that I find interesting, just trying to look at their uh, lineup numbers in their last four games, again, uh, it's a super. Mm-hmm.
1: for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Heat.
2: the, the much-maligned starting lineup has been playing well. Uh, you look at um, 32 minutes in the last four games for James Johnson, Whiteside, Magruder, Winslow, and Richardson. That's a plus 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Tyler Johnson in for Winslow, it's a plus 14 in 24 minutes. Right. So it, it, the bedrock four of Johnson, Whiteside, Magruder, and Josh Richardson has been part of lineups that are really good, and they're some of the Heat's best lineups in this little mini stretch here. And again, I think the Heat... You look at th- their strength is that they have uh, what eleven, twelve NBA quality players mm. uh, when fully healthy, and I think they can certainly beat teams or at least stay even for depth when you're in the early second quarter, early fourth quarter stretches. It's about can you start well with your high end talent, and the fact that the Heat. With this starting lineup and Spolster persevering, that's a, it's sort of... I, I'm giving him credit for both ends of his personality. One, he's tinkered with the defensive sh- tactics so that they work, and he's also been stubborn with that, uh, that starting lineup, which a lot of people thought, if you inverted the bench in the starting lineup, it would make more sense than what he was uh, doing at that time. And at least recently, uh, th- those starting guys, I'm not surprised that James Johnson is rounding into form a little bit, given that he's getting much healthier off of a pretty major injury. Um, Hassan Whiteside has been a bit better of late, so... And I think Richardson gets some credit too. But I think in general, some of the things that Spolster is doing to make this work, which again, when we talk about the Heat being a 43-win team or a 44-win team or a playoff team, it all comes down to Spolster. And he's found the tactics both in staying resolute and finding new ideas that you said that otherwise he might not like I think Spolster gets a lot of credit for this. Today's edition of the 5 Reasons Sports Podcast is brought to you by AutoNation since AutoNation is America's largest automotive retailer chances are they have the vehicle you're looking for. Shop from over 100,000 new cars, trucks vans and sport utilities from the luxury of Mercedes Benz to that Chevy pickup you've always wanted they've got it. AutoNation helps finance over 430,000 people every year and you could be next Get great rate today. AutoNation strives to make the car buying process quick and easy, but most of all, stress-free. In addition to an extensive selection, all pre-owned vehicles go through a rigorous 125-point inspection and come with an everyday no-haggle price. One price, no pressure, guaranteed. Start your search right now at AutoNation.com.
1: Well, and where do they go from here now? So, you've got Dion Waiters Mm -hmm. at some point coming back. uh, I don't think that, that doesn't feel imminent to me. Uh, I mean, even though it he's does, met, although he's met with the media, the, the Heat wouldn't
2: have let him meet wouldn't have with let the him, media. And, and, and they've been listening. It was limited in practice. And mm-hmm. he's showing up at the bench for the first time right. all year. And he's been tweeting some stuff. Like, I, I do think that at a certain point he'll come back. Now, the thing is, James Johnson took a month. Like and and even still, I I can look at his numbers, but I don't know if from a statistical standpoint he's playing like he did previously. But it took him a month to to look anything like mm. uh, what he did previously uh, against Milwaukee, eleven six and four on fifty five percent shooting. That's exactly what you want from him. A few better performances of late than he had given you when he first came back. But it took him a month to get healthy. And Waiters has had a year long injury. James Johnson has a six month injury. Uh, in the end. I, I don't know if when Dion comes back as much as you probably in theory mm-hmm. would need him with go with Goron out. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to come back and look like the Dion that he was in late 2016, the the late 2015 16 season uh, that force you, not force you, but encouraged you to sign that contract in the first place.
1: Yeah, well, and
2: I don't want to relitigate
1: that because you know how I feel about that one. But so what is their starting lineup then? Because if you don't have Drogic... It, it, like and you're gonna to continue to start Whiteside and James Johnson. Yep. Is it Winslow, Richardson and Waiters? You take Magruder out of the starting lineup at that stage?
2: Yeah, so they've so they've what, been starting with uh, with Tyler as well in the, in that starting. So the starting five against Milwaukee was uh, Richard. Yeah, okay, Richardson, Winslow, Whiteside, Magruder, and James Johnson with Winslow in for Tyler. So who who drops out? Probably Magruder. Yeah, you yeah. move you move Winslow to the three. I mean that is such a non shooting lineup. But uh, but yeah, I think I think Magruder probably drops to the bench and Dion comes in because even if Dion isn't a point guard, which he most certainly is not, he can he, he is a ball handler an initiator and a creator for himself at the very least, if not for others. So so I think I think Dion again once he comes back to full fitness because we don't know when that's going to happen, but we do know that at some point uh, we are going to see Dion probably start for this team as long as Goron is out.
1: Right, and then we're going to see some of those waders Wade lineups that I've been so looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I think I think as like a science experiment, they're interesting. I, I I have
1: no idea how that how that is going to work. I, I, the other thing that was nice about the Milwaukee game. Uh, is we've had now four or five Wade moments at the end of games. And so I think, you know, I know this drives fans crazy, and it drives me crazy to a certain degree because this is not great for the health of a franchise. But I think if there are certain people inside of the Heat now are like, okay, this is going okay. We're we're probably going to be the sixth seed. We may get a couple of home playoff games. We're going to send Dwayne off on a team that's not as bad as Kobe's team. And will reset now. I still think that they need to look to move Wayne Ellington. They're not playing him. Yep. But people know what he is, sure. so it's not like he has to be playing. This I, I've said all along. This idea think, that you I need think you, to. Play I think guys. you can
2: fetch a first round pick from a Western Conference team for him. A protected first round pick. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, a a lottery protected first round pick. Right. No doubt. So, but so, again, a pick in the twenties for the for the way that the Heat have drafted lately and the way that they've developed young players. Right. I take a pick in the twenties. Just Why, anything. I think they should. Anything. Dear God. Will he
1: trade? We know how Riley does not like to trade with teams he feels he's competing with. Sure, but there's they, enough teams. There's
2: enough teams out west, out that, west. that need a because shooter. I, because I would
1: trade him to Philadelphia. Right. I, you know, remember, Wayne. Wayne has to approve it. He's got no trade. <laughs> no, he hasn't. <laughs> okay. he, has, he has Okay. He, it was he, an early bird thing, right? Uh, right. He had. Right. He has a no yeah. trade, so he has to approve yeah. any trade that they do. I. You know like Philadelphia makes a ton of sense to me Houston makes some sense although we just saw Houston today sign Austin Rivers
2: so I they think, I think anybody from 14 up could use Wayne Ellington in the west like Minnesota's trying well, to make moves the the well the Lakers can Right, yeah, I mean, like any any team out west. I mean, right. If you're if you're looking at, at this team, I mean, yeah, you're right. The Lakers, they're gonna be picking what in the twenties. Mm-hmm. They can give up their first round pick for 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 Wayne Ellington. But like Minnesota, New Orleans, Utah, Dallas, Memphis, San Antonio, Sacramento, Houston, Portland. I, I've heard I heard by the way some rumblings that Sacramento is talking themselves into this and might want to you know buy rather than sell at the deadline. Uh, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Warriors, the Thunder, the Nuggets. All fourteen of those teams can use Wayne Ellington. Like there is there isn't a team in the league that couldn't use Wayne Ellington. Uh, and,
1: and Sacramento, you know, we talked about that on a previous pod. Like, if you haven't made the playoffs in as long as they have – yes it's worth correct getting yourself now do I think they're gonna make the playoffs
2: no they're uh, sitting at eight right now they can talk themselves into they it they can they're playing talk well.
1: themselves into it but yeah. there's some teams down there below them yeah that have more talent I mean, San- I mean b- basically everyone to 14 has more talent uh, than they do basically Utah definitely does <laughs> yeah I don't know about Dallas although obviously Luke has been amazing yeah. uh, Memphis does San Antonio probably yeah they do too
2: I mean just DeRozan and, DeRozan and, and, and Aldridge alone yeah. the
1: Pelicans do provided that uh, you know and then Anthony Davis isn't traded in the next four days to the Lakers uh um, or to Boston, so just to close this one here. Yep. Yeah. Do we've talked about is the zone sustainable? Would you say right now that the Heat are the favorite for a six or seven seed in the Eastern Conference? When you look at we we have four teams that are non-competes, right? The yeah. Knicks, the Hawks, the Bulls, and the Cavs are non-competing. Yeah. Uh, the Nets. Washington, are,
2: Washington cannot
1: figure it out. Uh, but, uh, bro- but Brooklyn is actually winning. Brooklyn's winning, and then we're, you know, again, we're doing this podcast before the Heat play Orlando again and likely gave up 27 and 14 (laughs) to Vucevic. Uh,
2: But are they – so I guess are they better than Charlotte and Detroit? They're the same for me. I I think think Detroit's – uh, more recently been on a slide I wonder if mm-hmm. that kind of early season maybe it's a new coach thing and they're kind of falling back to where they are uh, historically Charlotte is a team that actually on point differential is a good deal better than Miami mm-hmm. about about three points better on point differential so uh, but again but that's a Charlotte team that might trade Kemba that mm-hmm. it, we don't know what they're going to do uh, in the long term so I, I think Miami absolutely I, I don't think they're anywhere close to the top five I think the best they can do is six but yeah I think they're right there with Charlotte Detroit and that's been my thing when we were talking Earlier in the year uh, about this heat team, and you know could they tank and all that i 've always been they 're too good they 're too good yeah. and, and as as ridiculous as that is to say about the team with this talent uh, they 're too good to be a tanking team they 're too good they 're too good to be where Washington where new york are they 're too good to be in the conversation of teams that are, are not going to make the playoffs they 're going to make the playoffs. I think the point differential is borne that out, now the results are bearing that out.
1: yeah we talk about point differential a lot with the dolphins and yeah.
2: they proved to be
1: what their point differential said they were. Yeah. And the Heat's point differential has been okay all year. your point
2: differential is a 40-win team. Right.
1: And that's and then Spolster may get them to 43. And your 43 and 39 yeah. may end up being correct. And then you and I are going to have to basically tell Alf and, uh, <laughs> and Johnny from Miami Heat Beat that we were wrong for burying them in the first few weeks. All right, we'll have more Heat content after the start of the new year. Again, check out Miami Heat Beat. Also, we will have uh, more Heat Stories episodes. We're going to bring on more NBA guests, particularly as the Dolphin season ends. Thank you for listening to the Fire in
0: the Pocket.
2: Thank you so much. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the
0: fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter,
2: and Medella is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.